0: section 1 of the verbalist this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by bill borst the verbalist by alfred ears section 1 a an through avocation the verbalist a manual devoted to brief discussions of the right and the wrong use of words, and to some other matters of interest to those who would speak and write with propriety. By Alfred Ayres A. K. A. Thomas Embley Osman We remain shackled by timidity till we have learned to speak with propriety—Johnson As a man is known by his company, so a man's company may be known by his manner of expressing himself. Swift. PREFATORY NOTE. The title-page sufficiently sets forth the end this little book is intended to serve. For convenience's sake I have arranged in alphabetical order the subjects treated of, and for economy's sake I have kept in mind that He that uses many words for the explaining of any subject doth, like the cuttlefish, hide himself in his own ink." The curious inquirer who sets himself to look for the learning in the book is advised that he will best find it in such works as George P. Marsh's Lectures on the English Language, Fitzward Hall's Recent Exemplifications of False Philology, and Modern English, Richard Grant White's Words and Their Uses, Edward S. Gould's Good English, William Matthew's Words, Their Use and Abuse, Dean Alford's The Queen's English, George Washington Moon's Bad English, and The Dean's English, Blank's Vulgarisms and Other Errors of Speech, Alexander Bain's English Composition and Rhetoric, Bain's Higher English Grammar, Bain's Composition Grammar, Quackenbush, Composition and Rhetoric, John Nichols, English Composition, William Cobbett's English Grammar, Peter Bullion's English Grammar, Gould Brown's Grammar of English Grammars, Graham's English Synonyms, Crabbe's English Synonyms, Biglow's Handbook of Punctuation, and other kindred works. Suggestions and criticisms are solicited with the view of profiting by them in future editions. If the verbalist receive as kindly a welcome as its companion volume, The Orthopist, has received, I shall be content. A. A. New York, October, eighteen eighty one. As chew fine words as you would rouge. hair. Kant is properly a double-distilled lie—the second power of a lie. Carlyle If a gentleman be to study any language, it ought to be that of his own country. Locke In language the unknown is generally taken for the magnificent. Richard Grant White He who has a superlative for everything wants a measure for the great or small. Lavater. Inaccurate writing is generally the expression of inaccurate thinking. Richard Grant White To acquire a few tongues is the labor of a few years, but to be eloquent in one is the labor of a life. Anonymous Words and thoughts are so inseparably connected that an artist in words is necessarily an artist in thoughts. Wilson Flagg It is an invariable maxim that words which add nothing to the sense or to the clearness must diminish the force of the expression. CAMPBELL Propriety of thought and propriety of diction are commonly found together. Obscurity of expression generally springs from confusion of ideas. Macaulay. He who writes badly thinks badly. Confusedness in words can proceed from nothing but confusedness in the thoughts which give rise to them. Cobbett. THE VERBALIST A. AN The second form of the indefinite article is used for the sake of euphony only. Herein everybody agrees. But what everybody does not agree in is that it is euphonious to use AN before a word beginning with an aspirated H, when the accented syllable of the word is the second. For myself, so long as I continue to aspirate the H's in such words as heroic, harangue, and historical, I shall continue to use A before them. And when I adopt the cockney mode of pronouncing such words, then I shall use AN before them. To my ear it is just as euphonious to say I will crop off from the top of his young twigs a tender one, and will plant it upon an high mountain and eminent, as it is to say an harangue, an heroic, or an historical. Anne is well enough before the doubtful British aspiration, but before the distinct American aspiration it is wholly out of place. The reply will perhaps be,—'But these H's are silent." the change of accent from the first syllable to the second neutralizes their aspiration however true this may be in england it is not at all true in america hence we americans should use a and not an before such h's until we decide to ape the cockney mode of pronouncing them errors are not unfrequently made by omitting to repeat the article in a sentence it should always be repeated when a noun or an adjective referring to a distinct thing is introduced. Take for example the sentence, He has a black and white horse. If two horses are meant, it is clear that it should be, He has a black and a white horse. Refer to THE. ABILITY, CAPACITY. The distinctions between these two words are not always observed by those who use them. Capacity is the power of receiving and retaining knowledge with facility. Ability is the power of applying knowledge to practical purposes. Both these faculties are requisite to form a great character. Capacity to conceive and ability to execute designs. Capacity is shown in quickness of apprehension. Ability supposes something done, something by which the mental power is exercised in executing or performing. What has been perceived by the capacity. Graham's English Synonyms Abortive. An outlandish use of this word may be occasionally met with, especially in the newspapers. A lad was yesterday caught in the act of abortively appropriating a pair of shoes. That is abortive, that is untimely, that has not been born its full time, that is immature. We often hear abortion, used in the sense of failure, but never by those that study to express themselves in chaste English. ABOVE There is little authority for using this word as an adjective. Instead of the above statement, say the foregoing statement. Above is also used very inelegantly for more than, as above a mile, above a thousand. Also for beyond, as above his strength accident refer to casualty accord he the secretary of the treasury was shown through the building and the information he desired was accorded him reporter's english the heroes prayed and palace from the skies accords their vow pope The goddess of wisdom, when she granted the prayers of her worshippers, may be said to have accorded. Not so, however, when the clerks of our sub-treasury answer the inquiries of their chief. ACCUSE Refer to blame-it-on. ACQUAINTANCE Refer to friend. ADD This abbreviation for the word advertisement is very justly considered a gross vulgarism. It is doubtful whether it is permissible under any circumstances. ADAPT. Dramatize. In speaking and in writing of stage matters these words are often misused. To adapt a play is to modify its construction with the view of improving its form for representation. Plays translated from one language into another are usually more or less adapted. In other words, altered to suit the taste of the public before which the translation is to be represented. To dramatize is to change the form of a story from the narrative to the dramatic. In other words, to make a drama out of a story. In the first instance, the product of the playwright's labor is called an adaptation. In the second, a dramatization. Adjectives. Very often adjectives stand where adverbs might be expected, as Drink deep. This looks strange. Standing erect. We have also examples of one adjective qualifying another adjective, as Wide open, red hot, the pale blue sky. Sometimes the corresponding adverb is used, but with a different meaning, as I found the way easy, easily it appears clear, clearly. Although there is a propriety in the employment of the adjective in certain instances, yet such forms as INDIFFERENT-WELL, EXTREME-BAD, are grammatical errors. He was interrogated relative to that circumstance, should be relatively, or in relation to. It is not unusual to say I would have done it INDEPENDENT of that circumstance. But INDEPENDENTLY is the proper construction. The employment of adjectives for adverbs is accounted for by the following considerations. 1. In the classical languages the neuter adjective may be used as an adverb, and the analogy would appear to have been extended to English. 2. In the oldest English the adverb was regularly formed from the adjective by adding e, as soft, soft e, and the dropping of the e left the adverb in the adjective-form, thus clean, adverb became clean, and appears in the phrase clean-gone, fest, fast, to stick fast. By a false analogy, many adjectives that never formed adverbs in E were freely used as adverbs in the Age of Elizabeth. Thou didst it excellent, equal for equally good, excellent well, this gives precedent for such errors as those mentioned above. 3. There are cases where the subject is qualified rather than the verb, as with verbs of incomplete predication, being, seeming, arriving, etc. In The matter seems clear, clear is part of the predicate of matter. They arrived safe, safe does not qualify, arrived, but goes with it to complete the predicate. So, he sat silent, he stood firm, it comes beautiful, and it comes beautifully have different meanings. This explanation applies especially to the use of participles as adverbs, as in Southey's lines on Lodore. The participial epithets applied there, although appearing to modify came, are really additional predications about the water in elegantly shortened form. The church stood gleaming through the trees. Gleaming is a shortened predicate of church, and the full form would be the church stood and gleamed. The participle retains its force as such, while acting the part of a coordinating adjective, complement to stood. Stood gleaming is little more than gleamed. The feeling of adverbial force in gleaming arises from the subordinate participial form joined with a verb, stood that seems capable of predicating by itself. Passing strange is elliptical. Passing surpassing what is strange? vain. The comparative adjectives wiser, better, larger, etc., and the contrasting adjectives different, other, etc., are often so placed as to render the construction of the sentence awkward. As that is a much better statement of the case than yours, instead of that statement of the case is much better than yours. Yours is a larger plot of ground than John's, instead of your plot of ground is larger than John's. This is a different course of proceeding from what I expected, instead of this course of proceeding is different from what I expected. I could take no other method of silencing him than the one I took instead of, I could take no method of silencing him, other than the one I took. Gould's Good English, page 69. Administer Carson died from blows administered by Policeman Johnson. New York Times. If Policeman Johnson was as barbarous as is this use of the verb to administer, it is to be hoped that he was hanged. Governments, oaths, medicine, affairs, such as the affairs of State, are administered, but not blows. They are dealt. ADOPT. This word is often used instead of to decide upon, and of to take. Thus, the measures adopted by Parliament, as the result of this inquiry, will be productive of good. Better. THE MEASURES DECIDED UPON, ETC., INSTEAD OF WHAT COURSE SHALL YOU ADOPT TO GET YOUR PAY, SAY WHAT COURSE SHALL YOU TAKE, ETC. ADOPT is properly used in a sentence like this. THE COURSE, OR MEASURES, PROPOSED BY MR. BLANK, WAS ADOPTED BY THE COMMITTEE. THAT IS, WHAT WAS BLANK'S WAS ADOPTED BY THE COMMITTEE. A CORRECT USE OF THE WORD, AS TO ADOPT, MEANS TO ASSUME AS ONE'S OWN. Adopt is sometimes so misused that its meaning is inverted. Wanted to adopt, in the heading of advertisements, not unfrequently, is intended to mean that the advertiser wishes to be relieved of the care of a child, not that he wishes to assume the care of one. Aggravate. This word is often used when the speaker means to provoke, irritate, or anger. Thus. It aggravates, provokes me, to be continually found fault with. He is easily aggravated, irritated. To aggravate means to make worse, to heighten. We therefore very properly speak of aggravating circumstances. To say of a person that he is aggravated is as incorrect as to say that he is palliated. Agriculturist. THIS WORD IS TO BE PREFERRED TO AGRICULTURALIST. REFER TO CONVERSATIONIST ALIKE. THIS WORD IS OFTEN MOST BUNGLINGLY COUPLED WITH BOTH. THUS, THESE BONNETS ARE BOTH ALIKE, OR WORSE STILL, IF POSSIBLE, BOTH JUST ALIKE. THIS REMINDS ONE OF THE STORY OF SAM AND JEM, WHO WERE VERY LIKE EACH OTHER. Especially Sam all refer to universal All over The disease spread all over the country It is more logical and more emphatic to say the disease spread over all the country Allegory an elaborated metaphor is called an allegory Both are figurative representations, the words used signifying something beyond their literal meaning. Thus, in the eightieth psalm, the Jews are represented under the symbol of a vine. Thou hast brought a vine out of Egypt. Thou hast cast out the heathen, and planted it. Thou preparest room before it, and didst cause it to take deep root, and it filled the land. The hills were covered with the shadow of it, and the boughs thereof were like the goodly cedars. She sent out her boughs unto the sea, and her branches unto the river. Why hast thou then broken down her hedges? So that all they which passed by the way do pluck her. The boar out of the wood doth waste it, and the wild beasts of the field doth devour it. An allegory is sometimes so extended that it makes a volume, as in the case of Swift's Tale of a Tub, Arbuthnot's John Bull, Bunyan's Pilgrim Progress, etc. Fables and parables are short allegories. ALLOW This word is frequently misused in the West and South, where it is made to do service for assert or to be of opinion. Thus he allows that he has the finest horse in the country. ELUDE The treatment this word has received is to be specially regretted, as its misuse has well nigh robbed it of its true meaning, which is to intimate delicately, to refer to without mentioning directly. Allude is now very rarely used in any other sense than that of to speak of, to mention, to name, which is a long way from being its legitimate signification. This degradation is doubtless a direct outcome of untutored desire to be fine and to use big words. ALONE. This word is often improperly used for only. That is alone which is unaccompanied. That is only of which there is no other. Virtue alone makes us happy means that virtue unaided suffices to make us happy. Virtue only makes us happy means that nothing else can do it—that that, and that only, not alone, can do it. This means of communication is employed by man alone. Dr. Quackenbos should have written, by man only. Refer also to only. Amateur. Novice. There is much confusion in the use of these two words, although they are entirely distinct from each other in meaning. An amateur is one versed in, or a lover and practiser of, any particular pursuit, art, or science, but not engaged in it professionally. A novice is one who is new or inexperienced in any art or business, a beginner. A tyro, a professional actor, then, who is new and unskilled in his art, is a novice, and not an amateur. An amateur may be an artist of great experience and extraordinary skill. AMELIORATE The health of the Empress of Germany is greatly ameliorated. Why not say improved? AMONG Refer to between amount of perfection. The observant reader of periodical literature often notes forms of expression which are perhaps best characterized by the word bizarre. Of these queer locutions, amount of perfection is a very good example. Mister G. F. Watts in the nineteenth century says. Quote, an amount of perfection has been reached which I was by no means prepared for." Of quote. What Mr. Watts meant to say was, doubtless, that a degree of excellence had been reached. There are not a few who, in their prepossession for everything transatlantic, seem to be of opinion that the English language is generally better written in England than it is in America. Those who think so are counseled to examine the diction of some of the most noted English critics and essayists, beginning, if they will, with Matthew Arnold. AND Few vulgarisms are more common than the use of AND for TO examples. Come and see me before you go. Try and do what you can for him. Go and see your brother if you can. In such sentences as these, the proper particle to use is clearly to and not and and is sometimes improperly used instead of or thus it is obvious that a language like the Greek and Latin language etc should be a language like the Greek or the Latin language etc there is no such thing as a Greek and Latin language answer REPLY. These two words should not be used indiscriminately. An answer is given to a question, a reply to an assertion. When we are addressed, we answer. When we are accused, we reply. We answer letters and reply to any arguments, statements, or accusations they may contain. Crab is in error in saying that REPLIES are used in personal discourse only. Replies, as well as answers, are written. We very properly write, I have now, I believe, answered all your questions, and replied to all your arguments. A rejoinder is made to a reply. Who goes there? he cried, and receiving no answer, he fired. The advocate replied to the charges made against his client. Anticipate Lovers of big words have a fondness for making this verb do duty for expect. Anticipate is derived from two Latin words meaning before and to take, and when properly used, means to take beforehand, to go before so as to preclude another, to get the start or ahead of. To enjoy, possess, or suffer in expectation. To foretaste. It is therefore misused in such sentences as Her death is hourly anticipated. By this means it is anticipated that the time from Europe will be lessened two days. ANTITHESIS A phrase that opposes contraries is called an antithesis. I see a chief who leads my chosen sons, all armed with points, antitheses, and puns. The following are examples. Though gentle, yet not dull, strong, without rage, without o'erflowing, full. Contrasted faults through all their manners reign, though poor, luxurious, though submissive, vain, though grave, yet trifling, zealous, yet untrue, and e'en in penance planning sins anew. The following is an excellent example of personification and antithesis combined. Talent convinces, genius but excites. That tasks the reason, this the soul delights. Talent from sober judgment takes its birth, And reconciles the pinion to the earth, Genius unsettles with desires the mind, Contented not till earth be left behind in the following extract from johnson's life of pope individual peculiarities are contrasted by means of antitheses of genius that power which constitutes a poet that quality without which judgment is cold and knowledge is inert that energy which collects combines amplifies and animates the superiority must with some hesitation be allowed to dryden It is not to be inferred that of this poetical vigour Pope had only a little, because Dryden had more. For every other writer since Milton must give place to Pope, and even of Dryden it must be said that if he has brighter paragraphs he has not better poems. Dryden's performances were always hasty, either excited by some external occasion or extorted by domestic necessity he composed without consideration and published without correction. What his mind could supply at call or gather in one excursion was all that he sought and all that he gave. The dilatory caution of Pope enabled him to condense his sentiments, to multiply his images, and to accumulate all that study might produce or chance might supply. If the flights of Dryden, therefore, are higher— Pope continues longer on the wing. If, of Dryden's fire, the blaze is brighter, of Pope's the heat is more regular and constant. Dryden often surpasses expectation, and Pope never falls below it. Dryden is read with frequent astonishment, and Pope with perpetual delight. Dryden's page is a natural field rising into inequalities, and diversified by the varied exuberance of abundant vegetation. Pope's is a velvet lawn, shaven by the scythe and levelled by the roller. There are forms of antithesis in which the contrast is only of a secondary kind. ANY This word is sometimes made to do service for at all. We say properly, she is not any better. But we cannot properly say, she does not see any, meaning that she is blind anybody else. Public school teachers are informed that anybody else's is correct. New York Times, Sunday, July thirty-first, 1881. An English writer says, In such phrases as anybody else and the like, else is often put in the possessive case as anybody else's servant. And some grammarians defend this use of the possessive case arguing that somebody else is a compound noun. It is better grammar and more euphonious to consider else as being an adjective, and to form the possessive by adding the apostrophe and s to the word that else qualifies. Thus, anybody's else, nobody's else, somebody's else. Anyhow. An exceedingly vulgar phrase," says Professor Matthews, in his words, their use and abuse. Its use, in any manner, by one who professes to write and speak the English tongue with purity, is unpardonable. Professor Matthews seems to have a special dislike for this colloquialism. It is recognized by the lexicographers, and I think is generally accounted, even by the careful, permissible in conversation, though incompatible with dignified diction. ANXIETY OF MIND Refer to equanimity of mind. APOSTROPHE Turning from the person or persons to whom a discourse is addressed, and appealing to some person or thing absent, constitutes what in rhetoric is called the apostrophe. The following are some examples. O gentle sleep, nature's soft nurse, How have I frighted thee, That thou no more wilt weigh my eyelids down, And steep my senses in forgetfulness. Sail on, thou lone imperial bird Of quenchless eye and tireless wing. Help, angels, make assay, Bow, stubborn knees, and heart with strings of steel, be soft as sinews of the new-born babe. All may yet be well. Appear. Refer to Seem. Appreciate. If any word in the language has cause to complain of ill-treatment, this one has. Appreciate means to estimate justly. To set the true value on men or things, their worth, beauty, or advantages of any sort whatsoever. Thus an overestimate is no more appreciation than is an underestimate. Hence it follows that such expressions as I appreciate it, or her, or him, highly, cannot be correct. We value or prize things highly, not appreciate them highly. This word is also very improperly made to do service for rise, or increase, in value. Thus land appreciates rapidly in the West. Dr. L. T. Townsend blunders in the use of appreciate in his Art of Speech, Volume 1, page 142, Thus. The laws of harmony may allow copiousness in parts of a discourse in order that the condensation of other parts may be the more highly appreciated. APPREHEND comprehend. The English often use the first of these two words where we use the second. Both express an effort of the thinking faculty, but to apprehend is simply to take an idea into the mind. It is the mind's first effort, while to comprehend is fully to understand. WE ARE DULL OR QUICK OF APPREHENSION. CHILDREN APPREHEND MUCH THAT THEY DO NOT COMPREHEND. TRENCH SAYS, WE APPREHEND MANY TRUTHS WHICH WE DO NOT COMPREHEND. APPREHEND, SAYS CRAB, EXPRESSES THE WEAKEST KIND OF BELIEF, THE HAVING OF THE LEAST IDEA OF THE PRESENCE OF A THING. APT. OFTEN MISUSED FOR LIKELY AND SOMETIMES FOR LIABLE. What is he apt to be doing? Where shall I be apt to find him? If properly directed, it will be apt to reach me. In such sentences as these, likely is the proper word to use. If you go there, you will be apt to get into trouble. Here either likely or liable is the proper word, according to the thought the speaker would convey. ARTICS. Refer to rubbers. Artist. Of late years this word has been appropriated by the members of so many crafts that it has well nigh been despoiled of its meaning. Your cook, your barber, your tailor, your bootmaker, and so on to satiety, are all artists. Painters, sculptors, architects, actors, and singers nowadays generally prefer being thus called, rather than to be spoken of as artists. As not as I know, read, not that I know. This is not as good as the last, read, not so good. It may be complete so far as the specification is concerned, correctly, as far as. As, preceded by such or by same, has the force of a relative applying to persons or to things. He offered me the same conditions as he offered you. The same conditions that would be equally proper. Refer also to LIKE. ASCRIBE. Refer to IMPUTE. AT Things are sold by, not at auction. The scene is more beautiful at night than by day. Say BY NIGHT at all. It is not strange, for my uncle is King of Denmark. Had Shakespeare written, It is not at all strange, it is clear that his diction would have been much less forcible. I do not wish for any at all. I saw no one at all. If he had any desire at all to see me, he would come where I am. The at all in sentences like these is superfluous yet there are instances in which the phrase is certainly a very convenient one, and seems to be unobjectionable. It is much used, and by good writers. AT BEST Instead of at best and at worst, we should say at the best and at the worst. AT LAST Refer to at length. AT LEAST This adverbial phrase is often misplaced. The Romans understood liberty at least as well as we. This must be interpreted to mean, the Romans understood liberty as well as we understand liberty. The intended meaning is that whatever things the Romans failed to understand, they understood liberty. To express this meaning we might put it thus. The Romans understood at least liberty as well as we do liberty at least the Romans understood as well as we do. A tear at least is due to the unhappy. At least a tear is due to the unhappy. A tear is due at least to the unhappy. A tear is due to the unhappy at least. All express different meanings. This cannot, often at least, be done. This cannot be done often at least. 1. It often happens that this cannot be done. 2. It does not often happen that this can be done. So man is always capable of laughing. Man is capable of laughing always. Bain At length. This phrase is often used instead of at last. At length we manage to get away. Read at last. At length we heard from him. To hear from any one at length is to hear fully—in other words, in detail. AUTHORESS With regard to the use of this and certain other words of like formation, Mr. Gould, in his Good English, says, Poet means simply a person who writes poetry, and author, in the sense under consideration, a person who writes poetry or prose. Not a man who writes, but a person who writes. Nothing in either word indicates sex. And everybody knows that the functions of both poets and authors are common to both sexes. Hence authoress and poetess are superfluous. And they are superfluous also in another respect, that they are very rarely used—indeed, they hardly can be used, independently of the name of the writer, as Mrs. or Miss, or a female Christian name. They are, besides, philological absurdities, because they are fabricated on the false assumption that their primaries indicate men. They are, moreover, liable to the charge of affectation and prettiness, to say nothing of pedantic pretension to accuracy. If the ESS is to be permitted, there is no reason for excluding it from any noun that indicates a person. And the next editions of our dictionaries may be made complete, by the addition of writress, officeress, manageress, superintendentis, secretarius, treasurus, walkeress, talkeress, and so on to the end of the vocabulary. Avocation refer to vocation end of section one recording by Bill Borst